listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We're so glad to have you back. We have with us again today our good friend from Lifeway Leadership, the one, the only, Mr. Todd Atkins. Todd, welcome back. Hey, it's great to be here again. So we, as I think you and I could talk all day, probably for every sure. day, for several days, <laughs> about strategy and ministry and philosophy and all those cool things. Uh, we We wanted to bring you back to talk about culture today. And so as we, before we dive into the content of what it looks like to create and lead a culture within your church, I wanted to talk about something that I observe going on in our culture right now. So as we record this, it's early November, all the leaves on my trees have come down off, you know, off the trees. They're crunchy on the ground. We've just finished the, the trunk or treat season in the kids space. That's over now. And it seems like we've moved right into Christmas. Like when I walk into uh, to Walmart or to Lowe's, I'm strolling into Home Depot. There's Christmas stuff up already. It's like November 3rd, right? So right. here's my pumpkin spice, everything. That's the, but we move really quickly into peppermint out of the pumpkin spice. That season is really short. So we're in this culture where Christmas comes really early for me. Like, so my question for you, Todd, is when is it okay in Todd Adkins culture to start listening to Christmas music and putting up decorations? When does that happen? After Thanksgiving. I agree. So it's like, if it's before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is over it's out of play. Yeah. Um, that weekend, that's when you, you know, that's when you put up your tree. That's when you break out the Christmas music. Um, that is when like the my, day after Thanksgiving, right? Yes. Yes. Now my wife also would say all of the above. There's an exception though, which is these peppermint cho- chocolate, mm-hmm. white chocolate and peppermint covered pretzels. Okay. As soon as those hit for the holiday season. In stores. In stores. Yeah. She's on. That's she's, the sign. <laughs> she's, she's on that. Yeah. And, the and other one I'm. I- I'm not I'm not ready for peppermint until like mid-December. I think the I, I'm other, not a big peppermint guy. The other key indicator there in the stores is the little Debbie's Christmas tree snack kits. Yes. So there's those. I totally agree with you. If I think Thanksgiving is the cutoff. Let's not miss Thanksgiving. But the day yeah. after, it becomes Christmas. Yes, for sure. How long do those Christmas decorations stay up? at your house. So just like you have the day after Thanksgiving, they go up. Do you have like a new year's day? They come down. What's your end? Pretty much the the week after new year's, they come down. Now my kids did go to uh, classical school for a little bit. And so, you know, I've um, not, Oh, I'm, I'm totally blanking. Are you thinking like epiphany? Yeah. Epiphany. Yeah. Um, we so so we started doing this epiphany thing and now i feel like we're we have extended <laughs> our christmas decorations because of that and then so yeah and, and then depending on if you decorate it all for valentine's day you're just let that go it's crazy like one holiday is replaced by the other so it's like well we may as well do you know all of them you may as well do easter and then break out some stuff for um, Memorial Day and 4th of July. Like you might get a little break there, but that's about it. 
So, so I grew up in the Northeast in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. We lived in California for a lot of years, then Florida. We've been in Nashville now for a long time, longer than anywhere else since 2008. And something that I've observed in the culture here that I never saw anywhere else is the multiple Christmas trees. So like we, there's people who have five Christmas trees in their house. I have never, ever seen that anywhere else. Are you a multiple Christmas tree household? We're two. We're a two tree. Two trees. I can handle two trees. Two like, tree where do they go? Where do your two trees go? Um, there's like a main one, uh, and then one in the. We only have one TV, so like it's a playroom, like the family room kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's where that one goes. It is the the one that goes in the playroom is kind of like a light up. Uh, you know, you just plug it in. The other one requires a bit more work and is like family heirloom ornaments, really yeah. nice ornaments. Um, we are not like a color coded. We're, we're not crazy fancy in my the house. decorator Pinterest yeah. tree, but then all the like handmade ornaments and stuff. We don't care if it gets broken goes on the other one, other tree, uh, the other tree. Okay, good. And, yeah. and then like your ornaments, if your house is anything like mine, like dad's ornaments go on the back of the tree. Like where oh, nobody for sure. sees them, you know, nobody sees it's those. like some random race car ornament, some NASCAR ornament that somebody gave me totally. that does not go where anyone will see it. It can be on the tree, but it's on the back. It's right. just how it is. So yeah, we, we have these little cultural things that we do. And so culture is such an important thing for us as leaders. And so Todd, as a, as the leader of Lifeway Leadership, we want to hear from you about how we can create culture within our kids' ministry. Uh, we know that, you know, we can, we need to carry out tasks. We have uh, objectives we need to uh, accomplish week in and week out. And we can do the job of getting those things done, but it really makes a difference. The culture of our ministry affects everything. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the importance of culture, and then we'll hit a couple big questions about what that looks like in the kids' space. Just in general, wh why is it important that we're even aware of the existence of a culture? We probably already have one, right? Well, yeah, you've got a culture, whether you realize it or not. Um, and so if you look at the voice for the last 60, 70 years on culture is a guy named Edgar Schein. Now, if you read one of his books, um, they're very thick and very academic. Um, he's still at MIT, I believe, and he's in his 80s. I've had a conversation or two with him. It's amazing to me that you can call up somebody who's like that famous or whatever in your space and, and they'll answer the phone, but he does. Um, Don't and, try to call him listeners. If you, no, if call, you do, if, call Todd instead, call Todd. Um, I'll post Todd's better, phone number at the you, end of the, you better, in the show notes. Hey, you can do that. I'll talk to anybody. Um, I talk to pastors literally every day. Um, so the interesting thing is shine is the guy who originated uh, some of the things that we know now that have been more popularized and almost anybody that writes on culture, they're either referencing shine or referencing someone who referenced shine before when they took his stuff. Um, and so, he, yeah, the quote of the quote. So he said, um, you know, the way that you really create and embed culture is what you celebrate, measure and control. Um, and so we have to look what we celebrate, measure and control. Now, those things can be intentional or they can just happen. 
So, um, right. So they can be conscious or unconscious, voluntary conscious or, or involuntary. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and um, so that when you look at then, okay, well, what makes up culture and what drives culture, I would go to, there's a guy named uh, McKinsey, not a guy, a company called McKinsey, who's famous for business consulting. And if you look at our pipeline framework, it really is the 7S framework, if you want to Google that, from McKinsey. And so he would say, hey, the way you establish shared behavior and shared beliefs in uh, an organization is story, strategy, structure, systems, skills, and style or selection. It just depends on you know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about it, uh, and Shine would have said the same thing about story, by the way. And we, of course, have story brand, story wars, and uh-huh. all these books on stories. They're really important. Stories are vital to your culture. Um, I would also say systems are too. And so uh, things that you don't think drive culture really drive culture. Like the policies that you create mm-hmm. really drives culture way more than you think. Policies mm-hmm. speak volumes. Um, so don't add one unless you absolutely need it because it says something about you. And that might be uh, things like we do we uh, do we elevate the importance of safety or of process or of procedure. And as we double click on those things, that adds to the sense of the culture of our church. We're very aware of totally. safety and security, for instance, or we're not. Absolutely. Um, but you know, or or to say, oh well, we're a really friendly church. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? The best way to describe that is a story. The best way to take one of your values that, you know, you, you have at your church that's up on a wall or that's sometimes repeated. Yeah. The best way to see that actualized in your culture and and whether or not people understand it is by story. Because mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, I was at McLean Bible church for years as one of the XPs. One of ours was, um, people matter to God and us. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, Oh, well, what's that about? Well, Oh, it's uh here's the scripture re- reference for it. It's Luke, you know, whatever. And this is leaving the 99 and going after yep. the one. Okay. What does that look like? Mean? What does that yeah. look like? And so you actually know when someone tells a story and Jesus was great at this because it's like, Hey, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And then, uh, well, it's, you know, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's like, well, who's my neighbor? What did he do? He didn't told define. He told a story. A man was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he, he tells a story. You and then know. He says, which one was the neighbor, right? Yes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I get it. so good. I get, I get it. it. So when it comes to culture, that's why I would say start with story. And so it's like, it's, yes, it's the gospel. That is your purpose. It's the old, old story. But what does that look like for you reaching your local community? Because sodality, modality, I'm not going to get into all that or, or whatever. It's just understanding that your local church is God's chosen vehicle of implementation to bring his hope into the surrounding area. Into your community. That's right. So for us, how are we contextualizing that story in our church? And we say, oh, well, here's our vision and values. Okay, how is that done from the stage? We need to have three or four stories that we talk about all of the time. Hmm. Uh, and then, you know, of course, 
what do we what do, what do we do in our children's ministry to contextualize that? We need contextualized stories of well, people matter to God and us. Here's the big stories that are often told, you know, up front in our area. What is what are our stories? Right. I would say one of the biggest ways that you could quickly embed culture in the next year is to pick out the two or three stories that really embody the culture you want Mm -hmm. and tell those stories over and over so that um, it's not just you telling the stories. Other leaders are telling the stories or it's like, well, why do we do this this way? Well, let me tell you a story. So Todd, how you've mentioned a couple of things. One, you said you, you already have a culture, whether you know it or not. Right. And then you just said, identify the culture you want. So how do we bridge the distance, the gap between the culture we have and the culture we really wish we had? So part of it is, um, a part of it is exegeting that culture and understanding that there are things, there are artifacts and assumptions are key pieces of cultures. Artifacts would be things that are visible to everybody. So it's the visitor that comes into your church. They see actually the space that you're in. Uh, I look like I'm in a prison cell right now because <laughs> I'm in a, a, a weird place in my church. But if you came through the door, um, you would see, you know, a really open lobby and it's, you know, well done and it's presented in a certain way. That says something about us and what we value, whether or not I passed people on the way in and what those people said how they dressed. Like there's a lot of artifacts that people are looking at as they're walking in that they can tell immediately. It is our logo. It is um, our vision and values, uh, things that are like available and open to everybody. Now, as you go down, there are things that go from being visible to kind of invisible. Like if you're in the, if you're actually in here, okay, you know, our beliefs, you know, um, you know, nuances about things. Uh, when you get really down to the brass tacks, you see how decisions are made. Um, you see other things. So there's various levels of culture that are there. If you want to understand where your culture is now, you've got to, it's going to take a little bit and you need to approach it like you were exegeting, you know, a, a passion, uh, a passage, sorry, of, of scripture with, you know, I'm, you're, you're some observation. Out, you're, you're sniffing out the culture that's already there. Yes. Now, so in the best organizations, in the best churches, what is aspirational is also actualized down beneath. Mm-hmm. So what's talked about, what's celebrated, measured, controlled, what is um, uh, what is down here matches really well with what is up front and on stage. So we say we value these things. But do we really value some other things? <laughs> yeah. Do we say yeah. we value these things and we value those things? Then that is amazing because you've got things moving in the the same direction. So well, there's yeah, there's so there's the values, there's what we say and what we display, and those things need to match, right? Because it's one thing to have a mission statement on the wall, but if what we actually do, the way we behave, the way that we walk doesn't match the way that we talk that disconnect is not good or healthy, right? We either need to adjust the way that we behave and function, or we need to change the plaque on the wall to match what really is our culture. Cause our true culture right. is really what we demonstrate. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, Todd, two, we got two questions we want to get to here uh, around how culture 
in kids ministry connects to the rest of the church. So the first question is this, how does or how should the overall culture of the church impact the culture we have within our kids space? Well, I mean, I think there's there's two different ways to, to frame that because I could flip it. I could flip the question and say, how does the children's space reflect? Or I, I could flip it to where the children's space is kind of the most important thing. And we'll um, do that. Let's do that next. So so let's start with why, why is it important in the kids space that our culture be informed by the greater culture of the whole church? Uh, well, it's because you're a pirate otherwise. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter if you're really effective uh, quote unquote, if you are not in alignment with the the purpose and values of the church, it doesn't matter. You're it, it's an act of piracy to do anything otherwise. Um, and you may say, well, that's because the church doesn't know what it's doing, or um, this is you know how I run things. And I would be like, well, did you bring that culture from somewhere else? Right, because it's not. It shouldn't be about us. Right, that's one of, one of the measures of professionalism is you serve within the context you're in for the need of that place in that community and that church at that point in time that we, we need to, we're not here to bring my culture to this place necessarily, unless you've been asked to do that. The role of the kids ministry is to reflect the overall culture of the whole church, the mission, the vision, the ministry and values of overall church, the overall church culture that we're serving in. And if you leave as a leader and move to a different church in a different state or a different city, that church may have a different culture that you need to plug into. But the the context of your church really does need to influence what you do, how you do it within that culture of your kids space. Is that accurate to say? For sure, because it's going to be a disconnect to the families that are attending your church. Uh, and it's important not only for you, but for the other ministry areas. We we talked uh, in a previous episode about volunteers. Yeah. Um, the interesting stat is that volunteers serve in 2.67 roles. So that could be they're in 2.67 roles within the children's area. It could be that they're in the children's area and they're, you know, an usher or they're... Or lead a small group in their or home. Or lead a group in their home. Yeah. yeah, whatever it is. And so... Understandably, if you have different cultures in those different areas of the church, it looks com- <laughs> like we have no clue what we're doing. Um, because uh, even in the thing, you know, we talked about onboarding as an example. Well, one has an application, one doesn't. One makes sure that I'm a member and one doesn't. Or, you know, whatever it is, there's a, there's a disconnect. So when I say, um, you heard me earlier talking about story strategy, structures, Mm -hmm. systems. When I go into a church or with churches and I'm trying to help them install pipeline, what I'm trying to do is really get alignment in all the ministry areas around those things. And the larger the church or the older the church, uh, the more difficult that is because we do not drift towards simplicity. We drift towards silos. We drift toward complexity. Um, and so it, it's really difficult to do that. And it, the best way to do that is to allow the best way to have it in a healthy way is for everybody to agree. This is the tent that we are all under of our vision yes. and values. 
And here are the polls. Well, this is what this we're in the same tent, but this is the children's ministry. So I need to contextualize for my leaders. This is what this is. This is what this looks like. This is how we do this. And same vision, same Same vision, vision, same purpose, but contextualized so that it is. Uh, yes. fitting into a kid's uh, area or, and in every area of the church, that's so important, right? The parking lot ministry needs to be aligned with the overall culture of right. the church, just like the student ministry needs to. And I can tell you this, if you say, well, Todd, there's a vacuum there. Hmm. We, we haven't, we don't know our vision or values. Everybody just is complete book of judges and does what's right in their own mind. <laughs> Everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Um, I would say, well, then you have an opportunity then which was really your second question before you That's asked That's what we're going to get to. So <laughs> how, how might, how can we from the kids, first of all, before we hop off of this first one, I want to be clear to say, listen, leader, as the leader in the kids space, you have a responsibility to understand the culture of your church. You, if it's not clear, ask for clarification before you run rogue, right? Paul, uh, uh, Todd was saying we become pirates uh, if we're not following the culture of the church. We have a responsibility of leaders to understand the culture of the church. What's our why? What's our passion? What's our purpose as a church? How do we, how are we distinct from the eight other churches down the street or across town? What is it that makes us us? And then we are responsible to know that and to incorporate that into what we do in the kids space. Now, as Todd said, there's also opportunity for us in the kids space to influence the culture of the rest of the church. And so that's my next question, Todd. How might we, from our space in the kids wing, influence the overall culture of the church uh, upline? So I would say there's a, a couple things here. One in the instance where you have uh, a leadership vacuum or a clarity vacuum here, I would say exactly what Chuck said. You need to, to help um, draw that out if you can. And you're like, hey, I, I can't. Then in my experience, the person with the loudest voice or the clearest vision wins uh, the culture war. Uh, Loud and, and so, clear. That's, yeah, those it, are good words. No, no. It, it's uh, typically sometimes it's loud or clear. So um, – what usually happens is if you don't have a clear vision, the person with the loudest voice just rules. Uh, and that may and, not be the rules. best voice, right? The loudest no. is not always equal to the clearest or the best. No. <laughs> so what are some practical ways that we can accomplish this from the kids' space? I, well, I, I do think it goes back to that whole clarity piece where we can say, okay, you know, it, this was something that, was aspirational, we are going to actualize it in our ministry. So if nobody else is using this language or um, telling stories that aligns with this, we're going to um, understand that, you know, the children's ministry usually has uh, the most people that you're serving um, and the most people that are serving. So, You've got, you know, leaders and volunteers and even children uh, and families that you really have a lot of influence over. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, things like your newsletter, which you don't think are a big deal, um, are can be a big deal. So it's to say, hey, we're not just going to make this an endless scroll of activities and events or 
information. We're going to lead with, here's the one thing I want you to know. Sure, I'll put some, you know, I'll put some places for, you can click more for events or parent resources or whatever here. But I want to know the one thing. And then I want to know, I want that backed up by this value. So this may be our one, it may be an event that is our one thing that I'm telling you about, but I'm making sure that I am, you know, almost preaching our values in that, you know, you, in seminary, you're told, Hey, you should preach your announcements, preach the announcements. Hmm. Um, and in this way, I would say the same thing. There's little levers that you can pull that you forget about. Um, it's not just having great stories and great strategy. It's, you know, those systematic things that, that go out again and again, those pieces of communication, don't waste any of those. Those are precious. I would say really focus those in, um, and then let those kind of inform the culture because it's really the why, like, it's not just about. You know, we can be accused of event-driven ministry often. And I'm like, well, if if those events are directly tied to our purpose, um, then they're a lot easier for people to understand. And it's not just another event, you know. It's not just something for me to do. Yes. There's purpose behind why we're doing what we're doing. That's, and that's, uh, in my experience, that is the hardest thing for most kids leaders to articulate. Everybody knows the the who, where, when, and what of ministry, very few leaders I found can articulate the, a clear and compelling why. Why are we doing this? And what is it that makes us distinct from the church down the street? And that's where culture meets ministry in our space. And so I, I think that, you know, you're, you're, uh, initial comment at the very beginning that you your church has a culture whether you know it or not, and your ministry has one whether you know it or not. Pairing that with my challenge that you are responsible as a leader to identify what that culture is and to uh, and to pair your vision with the church's vision. I think there's a challenge in there, right? Because that culture may not be explicit, but it's implicit. Uh, in your church, right? And so if you're not being directed clearly, hey, this is the culture, we want you to follow this from your leader, you are still responsible to make sure that the ministry you're leading is not way out of line with what the overall vision and values and culture of the church is. So we we may be directed to do that, or we may not be, but I would say the responsibility still lies with us to make sure we're running a ministry that's aligned with the vision, whether that is stated or unstated within the church. We have to know what that is. Yeah. And um, just like, you know, when you're approaching scripture, it's, you know, uh, observation, interpretation, application. Yes. So it, it really is saying, okay, what am I observing here? What do I think is going on? Mm. Um, and then how am I going to, apply this. Um, there's a, uh, a famous construct that is used by the air force to this day. Mm. Um, it's called the OODA loop It's from John Boyd. Um, and the OODA loop is observe, orient, decide, act. And so he says in a dogfight that whoever does these things the quickest, you know, that continues to do these, it's an, it's a circle. It happens again and again. 
observe, orient, decide, act um, is the one that wins. And so a lot of times in ministry, we, we also feel like we're in a dogfight for our lives. Um, but if you're able to observe and go, okay, I'm going to orient myself based on what I'm seeing. Um, I'm going to decide what we should do next and act upon it. I, I think that's a beautiful thing because you're really moving from what is my present practice to my theory, to my future present theory, to future theory, mm-hmm. and then finally back into action. Um, and then going through that process uh, again and again. It's not something we should do every week, but it's something that we should do, you know, at least quarterly um, and make adjustments along the way to continue to hone that and continue to cultivate that culture um, in At a direction. At the end of the day, the, 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 the culture is one of the most important things that we can raise our awareness of, and that we can uh, adjust our strategy in accordance with. Right? It's Jim Collins. He said, "Culture eats strategy for breakfast." Right? So, what is that? What does that mean in a practical way, Todd? Why is why is this putting attention on this high level thing of culture? so valuable to us. And we'll wrap with that thought. Well, it's because, you know, when we share, say shared values, we really mean shared behavior. It's how decisions are, are made. Um, it's really who makes the decision, decision rights and whatever. If you want your volunteers and leaders to feel freed up to go and really do ministry, then you've got to be really clear on your vision and values. If you are, then you can let them make tons of decisions. And if they they can take the information they have or the situation and make a good decision if you're clear. If they don't, if, if you're not clear, then they don't know. They didn't commit an act of piracy because you weren't clear. Um, and so I would say that's the the key takeaway, if you will, is understanding this is really about shared behavior. So if I share, if I set my culture up. Uh, in a specific way, then that becomes the shared behavior of the bulk of my leaders and volunteers that are going in that. And that is what the families are going to feel when they come in. They're going to say, they're going to get the culture right. Everything else falls into place. Absolutely. Todd Atkins, you have a plethora of information. I would say you have a plethora. Thank you for being (laughs) here and sharing. Uh, Todd, it's great to have you back. It's great to be here. Well, and let's do it again. This is, uh, you always have such great things. I'm taking notes as you talk and I'm going to use a lot of this stuff. Listeners, I hope you are too. You may have to replay the podcast to pick up on the seven S's or all the little word frameworks and things, celebrate measuring control. That's It's fantastic stuff and so rich in value. Thank you, Todd, for sharing with us. Leaders, if you can't get enough Todd Atkins, I'll tell you where you can get more. That's over at lifeway.com slash leadership. Lifeway.com slash leadership. There's all kinds of fantastic tools to help you develop as a leader and to help your whole church get on the same page with things like culture and vision and values. So check out lifeway.com slash leadership where you can find all kinds of great stuff to help you move forward in these conversations and to influence from your seat. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.